0: Welcome to another episode of You Do What? The podcast where I interview my comedian friends about their traditions and rituals. My name is Cindy Ravina. This week on the show, I have comedian Sarah Bugden. Follow Sarah on Instagram at Bugs Sarah L. That's Bugs with an S at the end, and then Sarah with an S at the beginning, so two S's in there, and an L, like in Larry, at the end. And then if you want to see Sarah perform live, catch her on August 1st at 8 p.m. for Comedy Theory at Skip Town Playhouse in L.A. Should be a fun show. And this week, Sarah and I talk about the fake church her family started uh, when she was a kid that carried on for several years called the Seventh Day Recreationists. Hope you enjoy
1: call ourselves the 7th day recreationists. Yeah.
0: And um it started as It sounds like a real thing if you're yeah. not like really like paying attention.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it started as a satirical March in a seventh day, I, I mean, a St. Patrick's Day parade in Utah. Nice. Uh, the St. Patrick's Day parade is kind of co-opted by the Mormon church, which is funny. It's obviously uh, an Irish thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but then there's a parade and the Mormon church comes and all these different, you know, churches come and they march. And so my parents' friend group thought it would be really funny to make ourselves into a church. And they actually <laughs> sent in an application and we all marched. And after that, I think we realized, oh, this is funny. We should just get together all the time and do cool stuff. Um, And the joke became actually a a community.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So you grew up in Utah?
1: I grew up in Utah. And I think the number one reason that this group formed was because there was, there's always an in-group and an out-group. Right. And uh, Mormons are the nicest people ever, but they definitely are their own group and like, and I think when you're about eight, I think that's second or third grade, everyone gets their CTR ring, choose the right, they're baptized. Oh. And they actually have jewelry to show you that you are not baptized, but they are. And it's a very, you know, you feel like you're left out. Yeah. And so I think the families, the <laughs> parents realized that we, as kids, wanted something to belong to. Uh-huh. And so the, they created this kind of just faux church for us to hang out and feel like we belong to something.
0: That's so cute. Yeah. Are your parents hippies?
1: Totally. Yeah. And they're friends with a
0: bunch of hippies too.
1: All hippies. Total hippies. That's amazing. (laughs) Like Like, (laughs) my dad actually went to Woodstock, so.
0: Oh, like the original Woodstock? Yep. Nice. He was there. Yeah. (laughs) Wow.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And so so th- like there was just like a bunch of kids were they like your peers in school
1: not at all we came from different schools in different parts of the city I think it was mostly my dad's an attorney and I think it was mostly a uh attorney. like hippie attorneys yeah <laughs> drug doing well I think I think we can safely say that doctors and lawyers probably do more drugs than the average person yeah because they have the money to afford it yeah absolutely. Uh, and the connections. but right exactly uh, but I probably shouldn't say that, but they didn't do any illegal drugs, uh, <laughs> And yeah, so I think they they're they're all just lawyers and they probably wanted some place to connect and and party and also there's an element of when you have kids, I think. I'm making this up cuz I haven't had kids, mm. but I think when you have kids, you look for other families with kids that are your age. So yeah. you kind of get a free babysitting service where the kids entertain each other and the adults entertain each other. And um yeah, so we can um, we connected over just the fact that we were the same age, and you know our parents did things together in the professional world, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so we definitely became really good friends and became peers through the fact that every Sunday we would hang out together
0: yeah, so you were so you're close with the kids that you hung out with through this
1: um in hi, in probably elementary school and high school, yes, but now we're pretty separated there's a couple that have remained best friends oh nice and I've been invited to a couple of their weddings, but I feel terrible. I'm that person who was not able to go, like either wasn't able to get work off or was too poor at the time or -hmm. or whatnot.
0: It's so expensive to attend a
1: wedding. Right? It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's all these, especially if you're traveling for it, it's just so many things. And it's always fun. It's always a blast
1: to reunite with these Mm -hmm. people from whatever part of your life they're from and be reminded of all the memories. But at the same time, it's, you know, depending on how many different cities you've lived in or communities you've been a part of, you get invited to so many weddings and you're right. like, wow, I could spend $20,000 alone on weddings.
0: <laughs> in, in a calendar year?
1: Uh, probably in like a span of your life, Yeah, I think, or in a span of your 20s when people are getting hitched. You're like, okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> money. So how, how many cities do you think were in your, your church?
1: Just one. It was just Salt Lake City, Utah. And um I guess I didn't fully explain it. So it started as just this parade thing that was like a satirical or I don't know, like a joke. I don't know if I'm using that correctly. It's probably satires only in writing. But um we just did this joke, you know, participation in the parade. And then we started hanging out every Sunday. Like it started out as two or three families, then ballooned up into about ten different families. Mm-hmm. And we would always do something outside on Sunday and as a you, big group as a big group yeah and it kind of started in the summers where we would just play soccer in a in a park usually we would go to the international peace gardens in salt lake city utah which is this beautiful garden mm-hmm. um with lots of grassy area but then it started to become something that we did in the winters too and so we would go like snowshoeing or Ooh. we would go skiing or we would go build a snow fort outside you know it was just always we would always be outside mm-hmm. Um, And so the religious part of it, I guess, is just togetherness and being somewhere where there's not a roof over your head.
0: Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, being together and being, like, kind of mindful of that stuff. Was there any sort of higher power? Um, I don't think anything
1: was ever discussed, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely an element of. I think people felt a spirit for sure. Yeah. When, I mean, when you spend lots of time with people, you end up, whether you hate them at first, you end up kind of loving them because I don't know. I think most of us want to have feel connection.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And at a certain point, I don't know when you, when you're outside, you see some beautiful sunsets and we're most times we would be outside during the sunset and together and doing some sort of a sport. And so there's like endorphins that are coming out and yeah, definitely there's some sense of spirituality, but nothing that was enforced externally. Like we all believe in the power of soccer, you know, yeah. like nothing like that, <laughs> but, uh,
0: <That'd>
1: be great. <laughs> right? Um but no there was just like a sense of togetherness and wow we're outside and we're we're making the most of our lives. Yeah. I guess that that sort of a feeling and everyone for sure has their own hippy dippy thing that they took from it. I don't know if I can actually say names but one of my peers just got married and he got married in the most seven day wreck way Um, at Burning Man. He married a woman at Burning Man. And they like actually planned it. It wasn't like, I met you, now let's get married. They like planned it. They got married at Burning Man, took some gorgeous, gorgeous pictures. They had all the hippies at Burning Man. Randomly, some of them you know just showed up and decided to be a part of some wedding at Burning Man and How fun. yeah
0: yeah <laughs> that's real, I was going to ask if there was like a Burning Man kind of aspect to it but you answered my question <laughs>
1: yeah i think i don't think burning man maybe burning man did start when our church quote unquote had begun but it was definitely parallel you know like parallel existences that didn't know about each other and then of course the children of the seven day wreck grew up in a time when they could easily find Burning Man. And I wouldn't be surprised if about six or seven of the kids, there's probably like 50 of us. um, And at least six or seven have probably been to Burning Man and are now hardcore Burning Man people. Burners. (laughs) Burners, yeah. Um,
0: How, because this all started before the internet was a prevalent thing. For sure. who would decide what the activity was? Obviously the parents, but like how would they come to a consensus? Do you know any part of that?
1: I don't know, but I I think that what would happen is one of the parents would just say, hey, there's this awesome thing going on. Let's go be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we would go to outdoor um, music, like... The There's Red Butte Gardens in Salt Lake City, and I think they started a concert series on Sundays, mm-hmm. and so it was perfect. It aligned kind of with our, like, be outside on Sunday kind of a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an idea. And so I think one parent would just say, hey, this Sunday, let's go and do this thing. So that's how it would happen. Or I remember there was a deal that if you had a 4.0 and you were in elementary school, you could get a free pass to any of the ski resorts in Utah. Ooh. And ski, skiing is obviously quite expensive. Yeah. So I think the parents were like, all right, kids, you must have perfect grades so that we can all go skiing. Um, that's so a that's
0: positive... Kind of- positive i guess um incentive oh for sure yeah.
1: yeah it became a little aggressive though because i would like skip out on some sundays cuz i had to do homework <laughs> which was always a bummer when I, you were like a little behind yeah but uh but and it was definitely cool possible if you oh, yeah they yeah they didn't care yeah for obvious reasons like oh you want to get a's sure stay home we're going to go have fun
0: oh that's nice yeah, yeah that it sucked for you.
1: me but yeah yeah
0: <laughs> but that's cool though that they trusted you to like get your shit done while yeah. they're, while they're out.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that my mom sometimes missed out because she felt bad like leaving me at home alone. Yeah. Which was silly. She should have just gone and had fun. Uh but yeah. Yeah, they trusted me. That's good. Maybe they shouldn't have, but they <laughs> did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I'm sure you you turned out fine. Thank you. Yeah. Um was and, and there wasn't like any sort of like sermon to this I'm um they're like a leader right there
1: wasn't a sermon but my dad is definitely a charismatic guy who walks into a room and can't let anyone else have the attention like he must be <laughs> the center he's that kind of person um and so he got a I don't know how but he got a marriage like the, the license to marry people oh, yeah and he's married two or three other people in the church oh, like nice. he's married some of the kids who are my age
0: Look at that. Yeah,
1: so he was he he was a self-elected leader. I don't know if people consider him a leader that are not him, but yeah. he considers himself a leader, yeah.
0: So it like if this was like a cult, he would have been the 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 face.
1: One of the faces for sure. Yeah. I think he would have been the face of the Bozo, definitely.
0: The Bozo? The
1: Bozo. Yeah, he um I love my dad, but he definitely would sometimes drink a little bit too much Okay. part of the church was the parents would be like I was naive to what was going on Uh and so I'm a little bit estimating but I do remember sometimes when my dad would get a little bit drunk we played this game one of the games that we would play uh, is called asshole golf (laughs) and um, asshole golf is where this is something that we would do usually when we were camping where you get a tin cup and you put it in some location far away from the beginning of the obstacle course. And uh, then you set an obstacle course, whether it's like a, a log that you have to walk over. Mm-hmm. But you each participant in asshole golf puts a golf ball in their butt cheeks and then tries to get drop the ball into the cup. Uh by walking over these obstacles. <laughs> so the whole game is you have to squeeze your butt cheeks together and try Closed. to not... Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Try to not drop the g- golf ball before you get to the, you know, the hole. So whoever gets the ball in the hole in the least amount of butt drops... Wins. That's so and, funny. And for sure, my dad uh, would play asshole golf and like try to get everybody to play asshole golf. And I remember him being like a little bit tipsy during yeah, these yeah. times. So, and he would also. Uh, you know, like randomly come come out at night or come to some of these gatherings with masks, like a mask on or with funny clothes or wearing his pants too high. So my dad was definitely like the bozo leader. Not necessarily the leader, but the bozo leader. Yeah,
0: that's so funny. Is it possible to cheat in asshole golf?
1: I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, let me think. I think you can cheat in every game. I take that back. Yeah. You can cheat in every game, but I think it's difficult to hide a golf ball. Like, I don't know. You could put it in your underwear, but that would just be nasty. Like
0: glue on your pants? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, that's just one of the weird-ass games that we'd play, asshole golf.
0: That's amazing. What are some of the other weird games? Um, We
1: would, the younger kids, because basically the parents would be getting buzzed or, I don't know, they probably did... Other things, mm-hmm. not just drinking, but they did their things, yeah, and then the kids would just kind of be off in our own little world, and Of course, there were the cool kids, like the teenagers, oh. and then there were the younger kids, and younger kids when I was about i don't remember exactly the age, but you know five, six, seven, um oftentimes we'd be in the desert, we'd be camping in the desert, like in southern Utah, like in Moab or something, nice. and um. The older kids would probably be making out or something. And then we would just build a car for it. Or do you remember Trolls? Yes. Okay, so we would take the sand and, like, pick rocks and, like, build a whole house. You know, like, a whole, like, world for the Trolls to exist in. And for, like, hours on end, we would just be playing with the Trolls in the sand or playing with, like, monster... Baby monster trucks in the sand.
0: That's so cute. So that was... Yeah,
1: that was a game we played. Um, yeah. Another game we played that was terrifying... We uh, went to Goblin Valley in southern Utah, which is very well known as like tripping heaven, like if you're doing mushrooms or something something like that. But we were too young to do that. Yeah. And so we went to Goblin Valley and thought it would be a fun game to play hide-and-go-seek in Goblin Valley, which is a, a notorious place to get lost. Uh-huh. So you don't want to play hide-and-go-seek in Goblin Valley. And uh, I had a great hiding place and nobody could find me. And they forgot about me, and they drove back to the campsite, and I was just lost in the desert. Uh, Luckily, I was able to walk back to our campsite. I don't know how. I was very young, so I don't actually remember this, but my mom tells this story, because she, of course, as a mother, was terrified. Like, where is my daughter in the desert where it can get, you know, 101 Mm -hmm. degrees outside? Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. Thank God you found your way back. I know,
1: right? How old were you? I think I was eight years old. (gasps)
0: how far was the campsite? I don't think it was far. I think it was like half a mile. Okay. But you were just so hidden that they were like, she's gone. She's gone forever.
1: Yeah. I think, I also think that they just forgot that I, there were so many of us that Uh I think they just forgot that I wasn't there and they just like went home. And then I realized I was alone. Like my hiding place was so solid, so legit Uh that I, 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 they lost me. So
0: do you remember what you hid under or like behind?
1: Just probably a, a trippy rock, I probably was just hiding or or I probably was super competitive and went too far uh-huh. beyond logic,
0: <laughs> and
1: uh like probably kids would just logically find someplace in the vicinity, but I probably ran for five minutes and then hid and thought they'll never find me, and then they, they never, never find me <laughs> found me yeah,
0: were it was anyone surprised when you came back to camp
1: um overjoyed i'm sure my mother was overjoyed yeah. and then other people were probably like oh sarah i guess we left her <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Oh, here she is yeah i honestly don't i sh- i don't remember too much about it other than it being part of our family like fables that we tell like uh-huh. sarah got lost in the desert and then walked back yeah uh but i guess the the main thing that i remember is just you know that As a kid, nothing was terrifying, like nothing was scary, nothing was, uh, everything was a game when we were out with the seven day recreationists, we yeah. all recreating.
0: It was, yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's like that, like, quote unquote, simpler time where like parents could just like let their kids just go outside and not have to worry yeah. as much.
1: Totally, yeah, and and I was, I mean, something that I'm trying to work into my stand up personality that I haven't figured out yet is just I'm still, even today, incredibly naive and optimistic in a way that's just stupid, and that's always been a part of my personality. Like, it's great to be optimistic to a, a degree of being stupid because you try things that you maybe shouldn't and that you would fail at, but then randomly sometimes it works, yeah. Um, but Yeah, all my life I've just kind of been a little bit, like, not logical. A little bit, you know, on a different planet.
0: Yeah, you leave a sense of wonder in your (laughs) life. Yeah, yeah. Did you, do you, okay, because would you guys get together every single weekend or was there like a few times where, I mean, obviously during the holidays
1: probably. Yeah, I'm sure there were some weekends that we didn't get together, but there were spans of time where it was like the thing that got us through the week, the thing that was like, all right, we're going to go play on Sunday, like go do something completely
0: brainless. Yeah, go get your homework done, go get your taxes filed. Yeah. And I'm
1: a relatively competitive person. And I remember there was a girl, I'm going to make up a fake name because I don't know how legit it is for me to use her real name. Um, I'm going to call her Susie. There was this girl Susie and she was a better soccer player than I was. Mm. And my dad, I think just not thinking as an adult, mentioned a couple times like, oh, Susie's a great shooter or something like that. Like, Or maybe I remember him picking her as well first for a team because we do the whole like separate and then somebody picks. Mm. And I I think I remember being offended that my dad wanted Susie over <laughs> me on his team. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to be good. So I remember looking forward to Sundays and and in the backyard, like practice dribbling and like juggling because I wanted to get Susie back. Like I, I, I in my mind imagine that Susie and I had a war. And she probably had no clue that she was my right, enemy. Right,
0: You know? You think it's like Susie, <laughs> but you're just like working for your father's approval. <laughs> exactly.
1: 100%. Yeah. I
0: wonder if he like reverse psychology you on purpose. I don't
1: think so. I don't think he ever thought that far. Yeah, he
0: was just like, Susie's the good one, I'm picking her.
1: Yeah, I think my dad is just like a goofball and somebody who wants to win, uh-huh. you know, or somebody who wants to have the best team ever. I don't think he... It's now that I'm at the age where people are having kids and where I can babysit or even substitute teach like we were talking about before, I don't, I'm realizing that we do things that kids remember and that have meaning to them that to us is just like, I want to go get a smoothie right now. Yeah, You know, like I was, I was nannying for these kids and, um, the mother rewarded us and said, all right, I'm going to let you take the kids to a theme park, be back by eight and obviously I'm not a good nanny because we had the best day ever and we (laughs) went on all of these rides and I just texted the mother, hey, we're running a little bit late. I'll be back at nine. You know, we're having a good time because... We decided that we would go and dance in the middle of the theme park because there was some band, cheesy children's band that was playing. And so we decided to like get into it and dance. And the mother, meanwhile, was like calling the police like, where's my children? This woman has kidnapped my kids, you know, and to the kids, the meaning was something other than the meaning to the adult. Uh, mother other than to me and the kids thought, you know, like this is the fun, like there are no rules to them, they, they, they realized oh, with Sarah, Nanny Sarah we can do anything we want, you know And uh, that's probably a bad example of what I'm trying to illustrate here. But basically, (laughs) I think adults, we don't think Uh about things. And as a nanny, I didn't think about things like, oh, the mother expects me to be home at a time. Like, I got to be home at a time. And that communicates to the kids that there are rules. they must. And I didn't even think, oh, their bedtime, we're going to be late for their bedtime, you know. Mm -hmm. So that communicates to them a whole series of things. So with my dad... Um, I don't think he was thinking at all. Yeah. I think he was just doing something. And then to me, it, like I internalized it and made it into a, you know, a real situation.
0: Yeah. He has just like no idea. He's just, like, yeah. oh, we're just not trying to have a good, good, good game.
1: And the kind of the irony, or I don't even know if I'm using that word correctly in, um, seven day recreationists is that we were trying to be lighthearted and just enjoy life and be outside and be blissful hippies. But all the time, there were these little rivalries that would spring
0: up. I was going to ask, was there much drama?
1: Oh, so much drama. (laughs) There was so much drama. There was so much drama. And it's funny. We just wanted to be chill outside people. But because of the fact that being outside, oftentimes you're doing something athletic, we ended up being little jocks. And there was a little bit of jock rivalry all the time. And it usually was... You know, who's the best volleyball player? Who's the best, you know, soccer player? Who hikes the furthest? Uh-huh. You know, that kind of thing.
0: Especially with kids where it's all about competition.
1: Totally. A hundred percent. And even when we were playing our little troll forts, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be like, oh, look, I built a better house than you built for your troll. You know, like and kids are constant, crying, like, eh what yeah uh my favorite rivalry was the lizard catching rivalry we would always whenever we'd go on a camping trip Uh or go out into the woods we'd try to catch lizards and I was particularly good at it and so that was my favorite one because I usually won I'd catch all the lizards Uh and the blue bellies the blue bellies counted for extra because they were the beautiful lizards because they had blue bellies Uh and uh yeah I caught a lot of bluebells. Was there a
0: prize or just bragging rights? Bragging rights. Nice.
1: And I have a picture of me taken by one of the... Okay, so Susie's dad took a picture of me with a giant bluebelly on my head that I had caught. And that was so symbolic for me because I was almost like, getting back at Susie and my dad because Susie's dad had like pridefully taken a picture of me catching the prized lizard, uh-huh. you know? So I was like, this is my moment of glory. I caught the <laughs> blue belly and Susie's dad worships me. Like it was such a, yeah.
0: That's yeah. The wires got crossed there. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, that must it's, have been such a good feeling. It was. And,
1: and I have a picture to like keep reminding me of it, which I, it's funny. Have you ever had situations where you're like that happened but I don't remember it at all. People have to tell me
0: about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's definitely that kind of stuff where like, I just have the memory because people have reminded me of it all these years. Usually it's yeah. my sister reminding me like, Oh, do you remember when you said this thing to that person? And it was like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, no, but <laughs> ki- now that you mentioned it, kind yeah. of, I have the recollection. I can't think of a specific example now, yeah. but I definitely have memories like that where it's like you, you said, Oh, I have one. Okay. Apparently, um, when I was, uh, like, four years old or something, my our friend of the family was dating this guy, who she's now married to, but I guess she was dating someone else at the time, too, and I was like, oh, where's your other husband? <laughs> and the other dude had no idea that she was, like, still, like, dating, like... like who did you say people? that to? Oh, to, to her? The, Our friend of the family, yeah. yeah. Like, and she he was like, hmm I mean, it worked out for them, because, like, now they're cool, but, like, she was... He didn't know that she was also dating someone else at the time. Oh, my gosh. She, yeah. the, the lady was the cheater. Yeah, it was, I don't think it was really cheating. I think they weren't serious yet, but he oh, wanted yeah. to be more serious. Right. she was, like, dating other people. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so
1: funny. And you didn't remember it, and your sister was he, like,
0: hey. I, well, she – no, actually, it was the friend of the family that, that reminds me of it from time to time, but, like, I, I don't remember – that's it's the kind of thing where I'm so like, I classic. kind of remember, kind of. I think
1: usually that's how memory works is mm-hmm. that if you're the person who is hurt or deeply impacted by something, you're going to remember it. Yeah. But if it was a trivial, like off the cuff, whatever, you know, it just goes over your
0: head. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. Was, was there any, um? was there ever any drama between the adults? Definitely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I don't know if I can talk about this. Well, my mom... Um, Wanted to be, I think, inherently in any group, there's a desire to be respected by the other members of the group. Mm -hmm. And I think that somewhere along the line, my mother felt like she wasn't respected enough by other mothers and thought that the way to gain the respect, I can't put words into her mouth, but she pushed my brother and I to be like super athletic in other realms like I got into swimming and she would drive me like uh an hour to a, the best swim coach in the state, you oh my know? God. Yeah. So she got real into it and, but I I can't put words in her mouth, but at least from my perception as a young kid, there was definitely a little bit of silent, passive aggressive competition between the mothers, the uh-huh. kind of thing where they'd get together and be like, Oh, so how did Sally do at soccer? Which competitive soccer team is she on now? Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, Sarah's on the stars. That's funny. You know, like that kind of uh-huh. a thing. Um, These
0: mothers, like, bragging vicariously through their kids' achievements. Yeah, and there were
1: definitely mothers that didn't give a shit. They were like, I don't care. Great, cool, that, like, didn't want to compete. And there were other mothers that were kind of, like, in it. Or they would a little bit passive-aggressively brag about the accomplishments of their kids, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think, I think there, that was a big part of the drama, and there was, I don't know about the professionalism because I wasn't part of the whole adult I didn't have an adult mind at the time but mm-hmm. I think there probably was also a level of the lawyers and the judges of the group um oh, there's judges there were some judges you know smart networking yeah. know the people who decide your fate in life for sure um but yes yeah, so I think there was a, some degree of like oh so and so has this case or so and so was promoted in this company but mm-hmm. I'm I'm I was out of the loop on that I'm just kind of get- guessing
0: Yeah, they're not going to be like, well, Sarah. (laughs) So, yeah. This is the promotion that I have at stake.
1: Yeah, but I do remember one family. It was talked about in my home behind closed doors so many times. One family went to Harvard. Mm -hmm. The mother and the father went to Harvard. And they were also lawyers. And I just, I remember my my dad just obsessing on that and, like, pushing me so hard to go to an Ivy League school when Mm -hmm. I was, just because he, I, I, I remember him thinking that, you know, like, those people were better lawyers because of the fact that they went to Harvard. Yeah, and which is which is kind of ironic because I do know that family, or a little bit uh, interesting because I do now know that family, and they're fantastic lawyers. But I think another lawyer, that was a part of our our little crew, ended up being like one of the wealthiest lawyers in the state, and you know, like wow. went to some state college. You know,
0: yeah, so it just depends on your skills. I mean, yeah. where you go to school, it's like, okay, cool. You either got a cool scholarship or had lots of money. So
1: <laughs> either. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I also feel like it opens doors, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of this thing in comedy where if you go to, I'm definitely making part of it up because i just remember reading a teeny like headline of an article, not even the article, but I think there's something going on in Hollywood. Like if you went to Harvard, then you get to pitch your shows to showrunners or something like that. I'm I'm making the details yeah, yeah. up, but there's some opportunities if you come out of Harvard in any industry, I think, where people will listen to you. But at the end of the day, hard work is what makes you good at anything, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Hard work and nepotism and luck. <laughs> huh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I'm really optimistic about um, comedy, creative work, and also, you know, just any industry, because I think I've met so many people who, cause I used to, I've done a lot of things. I've worked in marketing and I've worked in, uh, finance and I've met a lot of people who, you know, they have the goal to be successful at something, yeah but then at the end of the day, they don't show up every day. Yeah. And swimming, even though that's a, a different thing, showing up, as a swimmer every day, I'm not even athletic, you know, I'm not an athletic person that much. I just did it as a kid. And so that was kind of in my blood since my younger years. And then I swam competitively and I got a college scholarship and I'm like mildly athletic, but the deal is I showed up every day and I did it every day. And I think even with comedy, if you study the structures of comedy and of comedy writing, you don't have to be funny to make money doing it. That's true. And that's I, and if you show up every day and you work hard, like you're, you might not be the next genius, you know, cause I think on some level you have to genetically just be, have a personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think you have to be talented to be successful in any realm. Yeah. I know that sounds a, shitty, but like.
0: It's so true though. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I wasn't even reading it. I was being told about like this article that someone else read about like psychopaths, like people with like psychopathy. Oh wow. They are often successful because they don't they just brush off any sort of failures and oh. they, they just don't see it as like detrimental to them.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense because even in like in sport, I remember some of the biggest assholes you know, like they wouldn't, you know, when you shit talk people, you'd be like, "Ah, oh, you're this or you're that or whatever. They It didn't bother them at all. They're yeah. like, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to destroy you anyways, you know. Yeah, like, it's like,
0: what is that like? <laughs> yeah. Any failure I have, I'm just like, my life is over. Ah, and yeah. I'm <laughs> fine, but yeah, I I couldn't imagine just like being able to brush something off so easily. Just be like, oh, whatever. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that you're an emotionally aware person and very, very intelligent. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I, I admire people like you who are a little bit more aware of the nuances of interaction. I think I'm kind of, I think I'm lucky in that a lot of negative negativity goes over my head just because I'm not cued into a lot of nuances. But uh, as a result of that fact, I oftentimes like miss cues that I really could op- <laughs> like, I, they could be an opportunity, uh-huh. you know, but I just miss them.
0: That's fine.
1: Yeah. You whatever your way. I don't think I'm an asshole, but I am kind of dumb sometimes when people insult me. I'm like, oh, cool. You want to go on a date? <laughs> no, I said you're an idiot. Yeah
0: well fuck those people yeah yeah Yeah. no i think no i think you're 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 excited about stuff and that it's just it's fun to watch that thank you it's i think it's good we need more of that because there's a lot of uh (laughs) sad a lot of sads (laughs) a lot of sad boys there are yeah Yeah,
1: um yeah i just don't want to be i think i'm inherently going like it's in my blood to be the bozo like my dad was but uh i just don't want to be too much of a bozo you know yeah
0: that's the the balance between like being enough of a Bozo to where you're having fun and not so much to where you're like Annoying. ruining your life. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or
1: doing too many drugs. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> another thing that I want to, and I want to talk about a little bit. Like I respect certain drugs. Like I think that it's good to like take a little mental vacation without taking a oh, physical yeah. vacation. But I do have to say I'm astounded at the number of people who have the time to do drugs all the time. Oh yeah. Like I, I don't know about, I mean, I, I'm sure you, you're, you're a hustler. You're always working hard. Um, do, do you know anyone who does drugs like multiple times a week? Cause I, I do. And I'm like, I can barely smoke a joint, you know, cause the next day or the next hour I have to be doing something.
0: Well, I know plenty of like functioning alcoholics, functioning yeah. potheads. And yeah, I don't know a ton of like, I mean, I guess I know some functioning cocaine users, functioning used loosely, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. I don't know. I I know a a ton of non-functioning of those people too. So I just I think it just depends on like your personality. Personally, I can only do that kind of stuff. Like, depending on what it is, like I I don't really drink that much. Yeah, Um, weed is like I I used to do it like. I don't know. I go through waves. Like sometimes I'll do it like pretty like a lot. And lately I've only been doing it like at night because it's just mm-hmm. been making me not function. Yeah. So, and then like with the like psychedelics and stuff, I try to like keep that too. Just if I have like a free like weekend or. Right. Yeah. Or, v- I mean, it's a lot of times it's just hard to find and I just don't have it for a long time. And then I get my hands on it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait for the right time. Like plan it out. Yeah. 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 So, it's a little
1: ritual, like for me, psychedelics are a little bit of a ritual, yeah, ritual in and of themselves, like. I I like to make an event of it, you know, like, yeah. and I'm talking specifically about mushrooms. Like if I get my hands on mushrooms, I think in the course of five years, I've done mushrooms twice. So I'm not like mm-hmm. all about the mushrooms, but when I do get my hands, just like you, when I get my hands on it, I'm like, all right, let's make an event of it. Let's, you know, invite one person or two people that I have yeah. a good time with, go outside of the city, be on the beach or it, under like the beauty of the earth, like someplace outside.
0: Yeah. And but, there's been times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this them this time, and then plans just kind of fall through. I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'll just stick them in the freezer and not worry about it.
1: Oh, you're d- very chill about it. I'm yeah. like militant. I'm like, this <laughs> is an event. You are cordially invited to trip.
0: Yeah, I used yeah. to kind of have that, too, and then after a while, it's just like, I don't I don't want to have, like, expectations behind it. That's the smarter, yeah. And it's worked out, because I haven't had any, like, bad trips, really.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's, at least in terms when you asked me about this, like, was there an actual spirituality behind the seven day recreationists. I think that's kind of the attitude that we all that, that drove it in the sense of a lot of religions, you show up to a very religious place and there's already a scripture and there's already ideas that are, um, set up. And at least for me, I have, I have gone to a couple different sermons of various churches mm-hmm. just to like, out of curiosity. Yeah. Um, uh, but I had so many more religious experiences at, at, as a part of the seventh day recreationist just being outside when like an incredibly joyous moment just hits you hits you you mm-hmm. know like with people that you kind of love you're outside and those are the moments for sure that you don't expect but they happen and yeah. they're they're the ones you
0: remember i think that's that's like a very kind of like Buddhist mentality to it is it I think so because I haven't studied it I should because when these things were like these great things were happening were you like were you mindful of it like were you present with that feeling or did you kind of like reflect on that later in life I
1: was I remember a couple times just being in the moment completely sober astounded at the beauty and, and all the love. Like this is such a cheesy thing, but we were in Southern Utah. We had just done a bike, uh, the Slick Rock, not the full Slick Rock trail. It's a bike trail that you do mountain biking, um, the mini loop. And we had been sitting on the Slick Rock watching the sunset and the sunset in the desert is pink and orange and purple. It's mm-hmm. just so incredible. And all of us had been sweating all day and I was sitting next to four of my best friends at the time. And just seeing the sunset go down, I remember just feeling like, oh, my gosh, life is incredible. Like, we get to do these things with each other Mm -hmm. and have these experiences. And it's, again, I almost feel like I need to apologize. But I was like, I love all of these people and I get to be here with them. And I just remember as the sun was going down, like, putting my arms around the two people, you know, the people around me. And, like, not saying anything, but just knowing that we all felt it and we were all, like, having a moment
0: that's beautiful yeah it was pretty crazy and yeah I love that shit like that because I feel like when I was a kid I had more of that kind of stuff where I'm just like wow this is really nice like I'm a person I'm breathing right now like we get to do it yeah Yeah. and then you just I I, maybe it's just like hormones and stuff but you kind of lose that like in middle school and high school and I feel like my like later 20s have been more about like being more mindful of that kind of stuff and like doing meditation and mm-hmm. all that hippy dippy stuff and just being trying to being like I shouldn't have I shouldn't need like psychedelics to only feel that way I should try to do that like in my regular life and so I yeah. think that's that's great that you've kind of had that Do you think Did you ever have a time when you felt like you lost that Oh absolutely When I was living in San Fran mm,
1: I had a couple of incredible moments in college I I had so many incredible moments with one of my best friends but I had so many sad moments. So mm-hmm. they all, I almost feel like the more horror that you're experiencing or pain or suffering you're experiencing, it at least in my life, it rebounds with moments of immense joy. It's like yeah. this weird roller coaster. So I had a ton of them in college. But then after college, I just had a phase of struggle because I don't know if you relate to this, but I, f- I remember just getting out of college thinking, where's my job? Like yeah. I finished this degree. I, I did all the work like hire me. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it works. You need to figure out like what industry do you want to work in? How do you get the job? How do you beg somebody to believe in you, even though you've technically just been a student your whole life? And I moved to San Francisco and it was a struggle, man. And every day was like, all right, the next thing, the next thing. And now I have to pay rent. And now how do bills work? Cause I didn't before that really understand money. Cause I swam and they gave me a check and that was that, you yeah. know, like I didn't get it. I didn't know how to budget Even though I did get money in college, it was like $400 rent Mm -hmm. for an entire house, and I was on a meal plan, so I didn't have to buy food. You know, it was just... So the time after that, when I was in San Francisco as a young 20-something, trying to figure out how life works and who the fuck I was, that was... I had very few of those moments. I had a couple of them, but they felt forced just because... um, I would give myself maybe four hours to just like come up for air and relax and not worry about all of the things I was trying to figure out, which included who am I, what do I really want to do with myself, um, what is my relationship to my parents now that I'm like not a child anymore, and how do I want them to be in my life because there is definitely a little bit of processing if you move out of state yeah where you have to think to yourself am I gonna ever move back or like how am I gonna love my parents from afar like how am I gonna be a part of the family from afar so there's a little bit of that there's definitely an element of like money and then for me a huge element of like I've always wanted to be a creative and do something creative how am I gonna Be okay with a nine to five? Like, how am I gonna be okay becoming an adult and just like accepting the fact that hell is my day to day? That's how you live as an adult. And I ended up just rejecting that and deciding to be a creative. Yeah. So (laughs) there was a lot of that, my during that time, there was a lot of just like every day was wake up and find the answers to these questions and not a lot of like enjoy the moment.
0: Yeah. I think we all kind of struggle with that around that same age where like, yeah, like you said, you've been a student your whole life and then you're yeah. like, what do I have to work towards now? Yeah. I struggled with that big time after college. What did yours look like? Mine was like, I, I was working at Nordstrom, I think, when I graduated college and like, they were like, my manager was like, I want to put you in this future Nordstrom leaders thing. And like, I didn't oh. get it. And I was just like, I don't want to, I, I didn't even really want to, but she was like, so supportive of me. And I was like, okay, I'll try it out. But I didn't get it. And then I was like, I don't want to work retail. So then I got an office job, hated that. They forced me to quit. And then I worked at another office job that I hated. And it's just been kind of like a series of like,
1: miserable office jobs yeah that's so relatable yeah do you think that's how most creatives realize oh this is what i have to do like i this is what i was meant to do because i've tried the other stuff and i can't that like definitely it's not me got me
0: because okay. like I've, yeah after like trying comedy and like doing it to the point where it became a regular thing i was like oh this is like the thing that like makes me feel fulfilled this is the yeah. thing that makes me happy. This is what I need to work towards, yeah. but also I need to like make money to survive. So I have to do these jobs that are not silly. They're silly jobs. Yeah, yeah. these yeah silly jobs. Exactly these <laughs> these stuffy like <laughs> jobs where like you see someone do something horrendous and you can't say anything because
1: <laughs> because yeah. they
0: wouldn't get why it's you. I mean, you can like you know, elbow a cork and be like, look at this fucking idiot over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've been fortunate enough to like make friends with people that are also like wanting to do creative things. And they, they get like the, the misery of working a job where you're not happy, but like doing oh something gosh. you want to do at night. Are the 7th day recreation is still still going or when did things kind of fade out if not?
1: I think things faded out when kids went to college yeah, and just um hard to make everyone get together. Yeah, everyone kind of had their own world. The weddings I've been invited to, I really wanted to go. I couldn't go. My brother went and said it was incredible. It was a really good situation. Um I don't think cuz we all live in different cities, like ones in Boulder, ones in Tahoe. We're all over the country. Boston. Uh I don't think that we will ever have a regular Sunday event again, but I do foresee that we will have a reunion, you know, like a seventh day rec reunion, either a wintry one or maybe like a horseback riding one. Maybe I'll organize it. I don't know. But definitely in L.A., like when my life isn't so hectic, I think we're all hustling seven days a week. Like yeah. I don't think any of us are at that point in our careers or our lives where we're like every Sunday I kick back and relax like no. But at a certain point, I'm going to try and integrate some element of that into my L.A. life, whether it's, you know, like having a show that's outside maybe in the woods or I don't know to try and do something
0: yeah even if it's like a monthly thing right yeah, yeah just something for people to look forward to
1: yeah for sure
0: yeah you got the tools and another reason why social media is great is it's easy to get in touch with people that way
1: absolutely yeah, yeah. definitely
0: well I'm rooting for you thank I- you I want this reunion to happen <laughs> Yay! thank you Cindy <laughs> yeah thanks for being on the show Sarah. yeah this was great <laughs>